got something I want to read to you here in a few minutes. We have the time. If we don't, we'll just forget about it and go on. Uh, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Amen. It really is. Uh, I don't want everybody staring at my beautiful coat, so I'm going to take it off. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. What we just heard, the messages and song, thank you for the spirit in which it was shared. We ask you now to do what we can. <clears throat> I pray you'll bind all satanic, demonic, and psychic power and speak to our heart through the word of God. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you have a copy of the scriptures, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I want to just share with you tonight on a thought. Lord, I really had a struggle this morning trying to get settled on what I felt like God wanted me to preach tonight. And uh, I want to share a few thoughts with you about taking risk. If you're going to follow Jesus, you really want to try to walk with him. And it's not an uh, all honey and no bees path. There are struggles and challenges and failures. But I want us to listen. Listen with your heart. Learn from the scriptures. And may God be honored. Matthew 14, look at verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come... He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit or a ghost, is what they were thinking. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. I love this. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind, boisterous or violent, he was afraid, Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you are the Son of God. Taking risk. That's, there are several types of risk that we face in life. One is unavoidable risk. There are risks that, that happens that uh, we didn't plan for, didn't look for, and didn't have an idea was going to happen. Uh, recently, I'm so sure some of you, well, it was a few years ago, to be honest, but I'm sure you read it maybe in the paper. A 14-year-old kid, uh, her name, I remember her first name was Kylie. She was at a... NHL hockey game, and uh, right during the game, the guy, a guy named Espen, he hit the puck and went sailing into the crowd, 
hit this kid in the head. She was one day from being 14 years of age. She lived less than 48 hours, and she was dead. Their risk all around us, isn't it? You can try to cross the road. That's a risk. You ride a car. There's a risk. You get in a boat. There's a risk. Uh, we've got a guy in our church. He's a, a paratrooper. And I told him, I've told him several times, I don't understand anybody that, that rides on a good plane and jump out of it. <laughs> uh, but there are risks in riding planes or flying and as well as jumping. There's a risk in eating in some restaurants. Uh, there's a risk in taking a pill. A good friend of mine, he's a pharmacist, and he told me, he says, I make my living selling drugs. He said, but I know and am well aware of the fact that if you put anything in your body besides bread and water, you may die from it. That's encouraging, isn't it? There's all kind of risks. They're unavoidable. Um, that's necessary risk. A soldier storming a beachhead. Necessary risk. Somebody that's attacked by the disease of cancer and going through treatments. The treatment might kill you. But it's a necessary risk. Then there are calculated risk. There are risks where we have an option. Uh, you, you're thinking about changing jobs. There's a risk to, the, to that. It may not work out the way you're thinking. A lot of them don't. Getting married is a risk. <laughs> if you've been married over ten minutes, you know I'm telling you the truth. You can marry the prettiest girl in the world. And on some mornings, her breath will knock a bull over at 100 yards. <laughs> they're a risk. And the fact is, we're all sinners. We've fallen short of the grace of God. And because of that, we make mistakes and we cause risk. I heard about one preacher was... Uh, visiting an insane asylum, and the, the director was taking him through the asylum, and he saw one guy sitting in a rocking chair, and he was rocking back and forth, and every time he rocked, he said, Lucille, Lucille, Lucille. He said, what happened to him? He said, well, he had a wife named Lucille, and she ran off with another man, drove him crazy. Lucille. He walked up the hall a little ways and the guy was banging his head against the wall. Lucille, Lucille. He said, what happened to him? He said, he ran off with Lucille. <laughs> Sometimes when you get what you want, it ain't what you want. Eighteen oh two. The British government stationed a soldier at the cliffs of Dover. At that time in history, it looked like Napoleon was going to rule the world. This soldier's job was to sound the alarm if he saw Napoleon attacking England, about to attack England. You know what's so interesting about that? Do you know when that job was eliminated? 
1945. Napoleon had been dead a hundred years. And one day somebody asked the question, why are we sending this guy out to the cliffs of Dover? Nobody knew until they read the record book and he was out there looking for a man that had been dead for a hundred years. You know, we can do that as Christians. We can get to a place where we just come and kind of go through our act and our performance and come to church and make a scene and go home and we're not even thinking about praising God or being sensitive to the Spirit of God and how He wants to use us. I'm telling you, it can happen. It does happen. Uh, Chuck Swindoll was sharing recently about, I, I found this so fascinating, he was somewhere in India, I don't know exactly where it was, and uh, they were having what we would think of as like a yard sale. All the village got together and they brought their wares and everything was for sale and people walk around and buy this and that. And one guy had a whole cubby of, of quail. I don't know how in the world he called him. You ever, you ever been rabbit hunting and run up on a covey of quail? I've had about two coronaries running up on those things. Uh, with that, you know, like that, and it'll scare you to death. And, and somehow this guy had caught a whole covey of quail, and he tied a string to each one of them's leg, and then the other end of the string was tied to a ring. He drove a stick down in the ground, put the ring over it, and those quail were walking around in a circle. A Hindu religious leader came by, and he saw that, believing all animals are sacred, and he said, well, I want to buy all the, all the, uh, the quail. He said, you want to buy every one of them? He said, yes. He said, well, good. He paid him the money, and the Hindu said, now cut the string. He said, what? He said, yeah, I want to turn them loose. He cut the string, and all of them continued to walk in a circle. Every one of them. They shoot them away. Shoot, shoot. The covey flew across the field, and they all settled down at the same place and started walking in their circle. Are you doing that? You know, there are times in my life, even in the reading of the Word of God, I have to remind myself to, to look and think about every word that I'm reading. You know what will happen if you don't? You'll get to the place where you'll read the Scriptures and nothing is going on in your life because you're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen. I think I know where this Scripture is, but don't we'll forget it. Listen to this. Luke 22. Then come the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. He sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where will you that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, listen to this, there shall a man meet you. Jesus didn't say, I think somebody will be there. He said, No, there will be. There shall be a man to meet you. Isn't that good? I mean, this is everyday life. This is in little things. Bearing a pitcher of water, follow him into the house where he is in, and you shall say unto the goodman of the house, the master says unto thee, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall 
show you a large upper room furnished there made ready. And they went, listen, and found as he had said unto them. Folks, listen. God doesn't speak hoping it'll happen. God doesn't speak and then try to figure out how he's going to do it. When God speaks in God's mind, it's done. Isn't that something? Thank God for that. There are calculated risks. We need to understand that we need to think through, pray through, seeking God's guidance in our decisions because we're going to live out our decisions. And then there are foolish risks. Some of you see the article in the paper recently about this guy in Delaware. was somewhere in a bunch of apartments. They began to, the other other people in the apartments began to smell a very foul odor. They called uh, the police. The police came. They broke into the place. And when they walked in, they saw a man dead laying on the floor, eight rattlesnakes and two cobras around his body. Folks, I'll tell you what, I might get bit by a snake, but he's not going to because he's living with me. <laughs> there are foolish risks. I mean, you just don't do that. You don't want no pet like a cobra. And so there are foolish risks that we can take. I want you to notice in this passage here, and I want to be true to our time, but look what it says. And straightway Jesus constrained. Look at the word constrained. When it's, the word of God says that Jesus constrained his disciples, it's evidence of the fact that there was a little bit of a, uh, an edginess about this. Oh, Lord, I don't know about this. You want us to go before you? I, we'll just hang around and wait for you. He said, no, you go. You see, there are things in life that God himself will subject us to that we're not really wanting to do it. I was that way about the call to preach. I, I didn't want to preach, didn't know anything about preaching, didn't know another preacher. I didn't know where to start. And some of you are saying right now, well, you never did learn. Well, um, that's just the way it was. It wasn't a job that I was out to get. In fact, when God called me, I remember to the first day, the first day after I was saved, I'd been serving God now, I was just excited about Jesus and what he had done in my life. And the first day when I left the chapel service, oh, it was only one service a week. And as I was going up the hill to go to lunch, to the mess hall, God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to preach the gospel. It like to have scared me to death. I told God that's just not a good idea. You, you somehow picked the wrong person. I'm not going to do that. And for I went through a period of time in my life. I just absolutely could not get to the place to surrender to such a thing. I, I started lying to God. You ever lied to God and you knew you were lying? I did. I really thought I could tell him a lie and somehow he was going to believe it because the one thing I wanted to do was get back to the States. That's all I wanted. Let me get back to the States. I went through so many things, running from God. I never got back out in the world as far as the way it was before. But I just didn't feel like God knew what he was doing. 
he constrained. You see that? You ever wanted to smack somebody and God said, no, don't do that? <laughs> Come on now, let's be honest tonight. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's a sport. I love a lot of sports. I, I just enjoy sports. And yay, Boston. I love boxing. I love to watch boxing. I have to repent of that every so often. I get to think about it. I don't not like boxing, but I do like it. Sometimes I just love seeing somebody get beat up. You like that? <laughs> Back in the 1930s, there was a guy that was, he was a huge guy. He looked like a giant. His name was C.D. Big Boy Blaylock. He was a terror. And he had what he called a roundhouse swing. He'd catch a guy in the ring and come around just like that. And if he hit him beside the head, buddy, he's damned. And one day, this is the only time in boxing history this ever happened, to my knowledge. He was fighting a guy, and when he decided, I'm going to take him out right now. And Big Boy drew back and swung. And just as he did, that guy moved in right onto Big Boy's nose. And his arm was so long, it wrapped around the guy's head and hit himself in the jaw and knocked himself out. <laughs> that is the honest truth. The only time in boxing history that ever happened. Do you know we knock ourselves out? There are some tonight that may be here that are no longer enjoying Jesus because you took yourself out of the race. Isn't that something? We backslide sitting on church pews. After you leave the church, you've already backslid. One lady said to a pastor one day, she said, Pastor, she was just so upset. She says, I just don't like the way God has made me. He said, God didn't make you. He's making you. You see the difference? And you see, sometimes we're just not enjoying the Lord because we're too busy being churchy. Amen. Too busy being religious. Amen. We've got to take risk. Amen. You see it? Look what happened here. He constrained his disciples to get into a ship. You know, that stands out to me personally. He didn't say, listen, guys, I want to see how good, you are, how good you are. Swim the Sea of Galilee. No, he let them use a ship. That sometimes the will of God is so practical. We try to over-spiritualize things at times, and we miss what God is saying. He said, get into a ship and go before him to the other side. Is that good? Now, these guys didn't hear that. They didn't hear that. You see, if they had heard this, it would have made it a completely different story than what's written in the Word of God. He said, get in the ship, guys. Go to the other side. The Bible says he sent the multitude away while he sent the multitude away. 
the disciples had gotten sick and tired of the multitude. They wanted everybody to go home. They, they're sick of them. You ever get sick of people? They just get sick of them. I wish they'd all leave. And that's how the disciples had gotten. They, they were tired of that crowd. Jesus knew their condition, so he said, Fellas, I, I'll, I'll take care of the crowd. You guys get in that boat and get on over here. Go to the other side. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. We have, I'm afraid, it blessed my heart tonight. I, I was trying to get to the prayer room and I saw a different ones come through here and talk and run in my mouth. And I finally got into the prayer room and my heart was blessed in there tonight as I heard the prayers of a lot of the men here in this church pouring out their heart to God. And I want to tell you, sometimes we lose our faith in praying. Praying is not powerful. It's who you're talking to. But prayer is just like a cell phone. That thing jumps all the time. There are times I just, I either leave it at home and tell my wife I forgot it. Or I'll just cut the thing off. You answer it, hello, pastor, did, and you put it down, it jumps up again, hello, pastor, did, and you get tired of hearing that. But God wants us to, listen, you will never have time to pray, you've got to make time. I'm telling you, listen guys, listen to me carefully. You, you that are husbands here tonight, are you praying specifically for your kids and your wife and your family? If you're not, repent tonight. God has given us a tool. It's called prayer. God could have called it a telephone, but he called it prayer. It's a way that we can talk to God, not because we're worthy, because we're not. But through the bloody slopes of Calvary and the price that Jesus Christ paid, we can call on the living, sovereign God. Amen. And God answers not because we say the exact right words, but because he's God and he loves us. Amen. And the word of God says that our Lord, in the midst of this situation, and knowing what it was just up ahead, he went up on the mountainside and found time to pray. And when the evening come, he was all alone. That's something. You know, I love to get alone sometimes. I just love to get alone. Sometimes I just go in the bathroom and lock the door. I don't have to do nothing, just stay in there. <laughs> Good friend of mine, he was a coal miner in West Virginia for, I think, 45 years. Charlie used to come by and visit me just about every day, and every day he came by and he prayed with me. He was a dear friend. I just thank God for him. And one day he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, uh, I want you to talk to my grandson. I said, okay. I said, what's going on? He said, well, he's living with a girl outside of marriage, and you ought not to be doing that. And that's what he said. I said, well, Charlie, if God gives him a chance, I'll sure talk to him. Don't you know, within about... One or two months, they called me and they said, uh, we want to come by and talk to you. We want to get married. All right. They came by my study and they said they had wanted to talk about a wedding and I wanted to talk about something else. 
And I tried to talk to them about the Lord. And I asked them both. I said, uh, is it true you guys are living together before marriage? Yeah. I said, do you th think it's uh, anything wrong with that? No. I said, well, God thinks there's something wrong with it. I saw I might as well have been talking to a stump, so I just had prayer and let's go home. My wife gets on me a lot for walking by a ringing telephone. And I tell her, I said, honey, just stand still and look at the thing and it'll stop. <laughs> Don't touch it. Well, that night when I got home, it was one of those days I was just simply tired. And as I walked in the door, and I don't usually answer the telephone, but my wife was with another lady in the living room. My two oldest kids were gone. And uh, just as I walked in the door, the kitchen door, that phone started ringing. And I picked it up. I said, hello. And it's exactly, verbatim, what was said. She said, I don't like you and I don't like your attitude. I didn't have that. I didn't know who it was. I said, I don't like you either. <laughs> That's exactly what I told her. She said, listen to what she said. She said, how dare you tell my daughter she's living in sin. I knew who it was then. <laughs> I said, do you know why I told your daughter she's living in sin? She said, why? I said, because she's living in sin. Amen. She said, preacher, you don't know nothing. She said, everybody's doing it. I said, ma'am, whether everybody's doing it or not, I don't know, and I doubt you know, but if everybody in Virginia's doing it, it's still wrong. Amen. She started to say something else. I said, look, I'm going to say something I shouldn't say, and you are too. The best thing to do is hang up, and I hung up. Folks, there are times that we are confronted with trials and struggles that we don't want, we didn't wish for, it happens. But God wants us to take the risk of standing on truth and allowing him to use it for his glory. Amen. Isn't that something? Now, the requirements for walking on the water and using that in a symbolic term, because I doubt anybody here has ever walked on water. I haven't. And if you say you have, I would almost say you're lying. So what is this whole story about? It's about taking risk and following Jesus. It's about taking a stand when it's unpopular. It's about doing what God says when we don't understand it. It's about denying this flesh that wants to boss us around. I love milkshakes. And there's a place in Lynchburg that I have to pass every time I go home. And every time I ride by that song, that milkshake on that sign says, Come on in and have one. <laughs> and my flesh tells me, if you don't get me a milkshake, I'm going to make you miserable the rest of the day. We all have those struggles. But don't you notice something? I thank God for this. But the ship was down in the midst of the sea. When I was in uh, Israel, had a chance to go to the Holy Land, 
I was really impressed by the smallness of the Sea of Galilee. I'll be honest, as I looked at it, as I stood by the Sea of Galilee for the first time, in fact, we got on a boat and went across the thing, you can see across it. it I thought about Bugs Island, Kerr Lake, whatever you call it. That's, it's more like a lake. But because of the way the, the, the geography is, the, the hills, the mountains around that, that lake, storms come up suddenly. It's like the wind comes down the trough and it stirs that water up and these things can happen quickly. And the Bible says, when the ship was down in the midst of the sea, look at what it says, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. Some of you tonight are going through a very contrary time. It may be in your own mind, it may be something you're wrestling with that nobody else is even aware of. It may be your marriage. It may be a child in rebellion. It may be bad news from the doctor. But you're being tossed. The word tossed carries with it. It was beyond their strength to control. They were expert fishermen, some of these fellows. But they were now in a storm. They didn't know how to control the boat. They didn't know how they were going to make it through it. They knew in their mind, we're going to die here tonight. There are a few things we need to always be conscious of, people. Number one, the providence of God has placed me where I am right now. Amen. Isn't that something? There are some storms in the Bible that are selective. This is one of them. There are some storms that are corrective, such as the storm that God sent to Jonah. He thought he was a hard-head rebel and going to do things the way he wanted, and he almost died. God made him sleep on a foam blub of mattress for about three days, and he got his heart right. He humbled himself and called on God. He had quit praying. He didn't pray anymore, but he did then. Why? Because of that corrective storm. This is a selective storm that God saw that his kids needed. Well, I'm going to quit. Because the time's up, and I would like to always respect people's time. The providence of God places you where you are. Amen. The prayers to God will protect you where you are. Amen. The presence of God will come to you where you are. Amen. The power of God will sustain you where you are. Amen. And the promises of God will assure you where you are. They were scared. They were upset because they didn't listen to the command. He said, you go to the other side. He didn't say you're going to go halfway and drown. He didn't say I'm going to send you halfway and then I'm going to drown your hides. No, he said go to the other side. At my age, you know what one of the greatest joys in my life is? To know there is another side. Amen. The grave is not a dead end. Amen. It's a door. Amen. And he's already told me, you're going to the other side. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight with that Christ, read this story. Read it all. Study it. 
It is one of the greatest stories in the Word of God. Let it speak to your heart. Let it bring comfort. May God bless you even tonight. If you're here without Christ, you're missing out on the greatest blessing that man can know, and that's knowing Jesus in a personal way. If you're here as a Christian and you've wandered off the path, you're not in fellowship, you're enduring church, but you're not enjoying it, would you tonight come back and make it right with the Lord? We don't have time to read this, so I'm going to just pack it up. If I ever see you again, I'll read it then. <laughs> if you're here tonight and you need a church, you won't find a greater church. Amen. But as God speaks, Herbert, would you come, Pastor, and as the ones with the music come, as the Lord would speak to your heart right now, listen, taking risk is by faith obeying the Lord. Do you, do you, have you ever thought about what Matthew must have thought when he was a very successful, crooked, but successful man? He had heard the teachings of the Christ. Jesus knew his heart. And Jesus walked by his stand one day and said, Hey, Matt, follow me. There's a risk. There's a risk. Well, I don't know about that, Jesus. What if? What if we don't have the financial backing? What if Rome gets mad at us? There's a lot of what ifs. But I have to decide in my mind, do I believe he's who he says he is? And am I willing to take the risk even though I might fail? Failure is not defeat. Amen. Are you, will you take the risk tonight? Will you by faith, even right now, commit your life to God? I had a young man in my study just a couple of months ago. We talked. He was going through a very difficult time. I shared with the young man a few minutes. I saw his need was to really commit himself to the Lord. I pulled a drawer open at my desk. I took out a blank sheet of paper. I laid it on my desk. I said, son, if you're really serious, you're really serious, sign the paper and let God fill in the orders. You turn it over to him with your will and let his will be done. 